This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today I'm going to chat with Cynthia Dizekas. She's one of our investigative reporters at the Chronicle, and for the last year or so with reporter Jason Fagoni, she's been investigating the radiological contamination at the Hunter's Point Naval Shipyard. That site would be the largest new housing development built in San Francisco since the 1906 earthquake, but it's also the nation's largest Superfund site. That's a distinction given to our most polluted industrial locations. We're going to talk about the cleanup status, what voters demanded from the Navy more than 20 years ago, and what football has to do with shifting city policies. Coming up next on Fifth Emission. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Cynthia, I'm really glad you're here today to talk to us about all of your reporting on the shipyard. It's great to be here. So why don't we start off um, by explaining what is the Hunter's Point Shipyard and why is it the nation's largest Superfund site? Okay, so the Hunter's Point Naval Shipyard, and given how big it is, it's surprising that Many people, even San Franciscans, don't even know it's there. It's about 500 acres on the southeast waterfront of the city, and it used to be an old naval shipyard back in the 50s and 60s, and it was actually the point where they brought all of these ships that they had test nuclear bombs on back back then. And they brought them there. There was a huge research institution that did a lot of tests with radioactivity, contaminated the land. There were also industrial operations on the site, um, left heavy metals and other chemicals in the soil. And so as a result, when the Navy decommissioned their shipyards back in the 90s, it was declared a Superfund site, meaning it's one of the most contaminated sites in the country. And it also happens to be one of the largest. Right. So what I thought was so interesting about some of your first stories um, on this topic is that when we were testing the atomic bomb, they tested it at Bikini Atoll in the middle of the ocean. And they they took animals on these ships to see what what this bomb would do because it was such new science. And then the devastation, you know, stop me if I'm wrong, but it was so much worse than we even thought it was going to be. And they didn't know what to do with these ships. So what did they do with them? So absolutely. And the way you describe it is exactly what happened. I mean, in hindsight, it seems 
horribly naive at the time, the tests that they were doing and the impact it had, not only obviously on the animals and the people, the, the naval officers who were exposed to this, but also on the residents of that area, the people who were living in the islands. And what they did with these ships when they realized they were so contaminated, they couldn't do anything with them, they brought them back to San Francisco to try to clean them. And they did all types of things. They sandblasted them to try to get the radioactivity off. And all that did was spread it everywhere. It's just incredible to me to think about bringing a radioactive armada into one of the biggest cities on earth. So when they sandblast all this and they try to get the, they they didn't know very much about how you clean up radioactivity either, which is how we get to this point where the soil and parts of the shipyard are still horribly contaminated. Yeah, I mean, they, exactly. They thought that they could sandblast it off. They couldn't. Their clothes were completely, the naval officers' clothes were completely contaminated with radioactivity. They had a laundry that was pretty, much a regular laundry that they were washing these clothes in to try to wash wash the radioactivity off. And all that did was contaminate the pipes, leak into the soil. So we know this was horribly contaminated by some of this work. What is the current status of the cleanup? So the cleanup has been going on now for more than two decades. Um, the Navy, Navy obviously polluted the land under Superfund law they're required to clean it up. And um, and they've been sort of trying to do that in fits and starts for the last, you know, two decades. And currently it is stalled because there was a big uh, data falsification scandal involving their main cleanup contractor. So there are a lot of questions about um, that some people have about how thoroughly this cleanup has been done to date. So there's some retesting going on is that right? That's right. Yeah. So they're going to be retesting portions of the site that this cleanup contractor worked on. Um, but in the meantime, there um, there's a environmental watchdog group that has really been going back through the history of the cleanup and looking at beyond this scandal, what are the problems that they see with the cleanup? And they've released several reports, one looking at the fact that the Navy is using completely obsolete cleanup standards, the other um, looking at the fact that the Navy sort of deemed most of the site clean, and, and this group argues um, wrongly at the beginning of the cleanup. So they're not even looking at most of the site when they're deciding what needs to be cleaned up or not. And then just recently last week, they issued a new report which details how the Navy went from promising the people of San Francisco that it would clean up this site to the highest standards. And those are standards where people can live and work on the site without restrictions. And the land is, for all intents and purposes, returned to its it what it was before the Navy came and contaminated it. And the Navy promised to get rid of the contamination, not just cover it up. Exactly. And so this report looks at how they've gone from this cleanup promise to covering up what is there. And and we mean cover up by literally putting clean dirt on top of contaminated dirt. That would be the cleanup proposal. Exactly. So it's a couple, they call them durable covers. And so it's either a few feet of soil or um, several inches of asphalt. In some cases, what already exists there, a sidewalk, a uh, foundation of a building. And so it literally is covering up 
the contaminated soil underneath. So I was really surprised in this article that you wrote to learn about Proposition P, which was passed by San Francisco voters with 86% of the vote, which is the highest passing thing I've ever heard of in this city. So what is what was Proposition P? Yeah. So a big part of I think the uh, what was really interesting about that this report is it brought to bear these really um, interesting historical uh, points that we forget about, right, as San Franciscans. And one of them was Proposition P. And so what happened was in the late 90s, according to the report, um, the the Navy had made these promises about how it was going to clean up the site. And then it got into the shipyard and it realized there was a lot more contamination there than they had thought. And so they started moving away from that, proposing covers, and the people of San Francisco, m- driven by people in the community, in the Bayview, Hunters Point community, who are historically sicker and um, poorer than the rest of the city, got behind this. They got some supervisors at the time behind this, and they officially put on the ballot Proposition P, which said, as San Franciscans, we want the shipyard cleaned up to the highest standards. This is a matter of safety. It's a matter of environmental justice. And they explicitly said we do not want covers used. And that passed, as you said, with an overwhelming majority of the vote. And then was the next year, so this was in 2000 and 2001, put into official city policy by the Board of Supervisors. So it was official city policy that they expected the city, the Navy, excuse me, to do a complete removal of this contamination. Exactly. That seems to have started to change around the time that the 49ers uh, threatened to leave the city of San Francisco. So what does radiological contamination have to do with football? (laughs) That's a great segue. Um, So uh, what was really interesting is we had this report. And we also, uh, Jason and I, have been accumulating. Jason, your Jason Fagoni, my reporting partner, and um, uh, and and so we've been accumulating this huge data library of records requests, and so we queried it as we were working on this, and just to figure out, okay, so the Navy, cha- it appears that the Navy changed course, right? But the city had been so obviously, like on the record, we don't want this, and yet the. The covering up of the contamination is the way things have gone. So what happened to the city? And we looked back in our records and we saw that around 2006 when the city – the city was basically trying to keep the 49ers, right? And they they had come up with this proposal to put a new stadium in the shipyard. But because of the extra contamination, holdups with the cleanup, there were all of these delays. And we see in the records from that time that um, the mayor's main person on this, Michael Cohen, is actually suggesting that, you know, we could be in favor of these covers. We need to expedite the cleanup. In other words, prioritizing development over um, what it appears to be prioritizing development over public health. And in trying to get the 49ers to stay here. And you you uncovered in documents um, prompted by this, this report from the watchdogs, you found a memo from the public health department that really, uh, like, I was very surprised to read such a thing coming out of public health. So what did it say? Yeah, so this was also another kind of amazing thing within the records that comes together in this timeline is that you've got the city – 
sort of officially pushing for accelerated development, um, decreasing the cleanup standards, right? And then out of the public health department, whose whole purpose is to be watching out for the public health of um, San Francisco residents, you have this memo. And we don't know. It was a memo that showed up in a public records request that we made to the department. We don't know who wrote it. We know it was written by on a public health department computer at the time in 2007. And it basically says, you know, just as a brainstorming thing, what if we, you know, suggested going with development over these public health standards. And to see something like that coming out of the public health department, as you noted, is very um, surprising because you would think they would be pushing back on that. And and they don't appear to. So we have this memo. We don't really know what happened to the memo or or that um, that sort of line of, of thinking that they were putting out there. Well, the public health department has refused to answer your questions on it. That's one so, reason so they you don't say, know. So they basically say the memo speaks for itself. It was a brainstorming document that never became official because the stadium never happened. Right. I, I mean, I think – I don't know if you would put it this way, but I, I think the city has been pretty loath to answer some questions about how they managed to um, change from something that was a voter – uh, prescribed wish into something else. On the other hand, I think most people know San Francisco is um, incredibly starved for places to put new houses. So you can also understand 500 acres in a booming part of the city is a really attractive place where you could build housing. There's already a plan for it. And um, obviously, there's a lot of people in the city who really want to see that go forward, too. There are a lot of competing interests, I guess I would say, in that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you've got the city's most ambitious redevelopment since the 1906 earthquake, and you have a city that has a huge housing shortage problem, as you noted, and that also has you know, implications for people's daily lives. Um, at the same time, one of the most contaminated sites in the country. So how do you balance that? And um, and you're right. I, I think in you know our questions to the city on on this particular thing to the health department. The health department didn't really delve into some. They didn't really directly answer a lot of our questions. They just gave us blanket statements mm-hmm. that we always prioritize the health of you know the city's residents. Right. So what is the current city policy with regards to the shipyard cleanup, or is it even possible to know? Basically, with the Navy's current plan, which is this. Most of the site will be covered in some way. We're not removing the contamination. That has been signed off on by the EPA. It's been signed off on by the state. And also the city has not objected. So they seem to be fine with this current proposal, even though it contradicts what the city voters said back in 2000. Um, the only agency that we saw in the records that has objected to these covers was the state water board. And they basically said, these aren't going to be enough. And that was sort of the thrust of this report, which included um, a couple of uh, reports from two former federal scientists that said these covers are a big problem because they actually can be breached relatively easily by burrowing rodents, by erosion, by plant roots, um, not to mention if uh, the earthquake happens Mm -hmm. in the area. So these aren't, you know, uh, infallible. So 
what's next in terms of uh, movement on the shipyard? What are we waiting on? What What is in the way of building new houses so, at this point? So they are they're embarking on this retesting plan where they're going to go back and they're going to look at the work that the Navy's uh, main cleanup contractor did to see what is there right now. And right now we are they're working on those plans and going to start that first. And then I think it's a matter of what do they find? Is is the contamination far worse than we thought? And then what does that take to clean it up? Or is it not? Is it okay? What kind of reaction have you gotten to these stories that, that uncover things like, you know, 86 percent of voters wanted it cleaned up a certain way, and that seems to be a departure for the city. What kind of reaction are you getting from readers? Um, every time – what's been um, really interesting about this, I think, is every time we write a story, there seems to be a big interest from the community in hearing about the cleanup, in hearing – the history, not only the history, but where it is now, and and these points of conflict, like this report um, highlighted, and so we hear a lot from um, community groups. We hear a lot from people living in the Bayview and Hunters Point area, um, where they are impacted directly. So, this this watchdog group, they're they're doing a lot of investigation into it. I know you and Jason are doing a lot of investigation. What's ne- What do you expect from this watchdog group next? Is there another area that they're focusing on? Yeah. So the, um, the group that published this report is the Committee to Bridge the Gap. And um, they are, like I said, an environmental watchdog group. And um, they are continuing to look at the cleanup and they expect to have, I believe, some more reports coming. As you mentioned, Jason and I are also um, going to be continuing to cover issues related to the shipyard as well as Treasure Island moving forward. So um, we've got a lot more to dig into. There's a lot of soil science in your future. Yes. <laughs> uh, when, if people have questions or they have tips for the investigative team, how should they contact you? Yes. So for anyone listening, you can email the iTeam at iTeam at sfchronicle.com. We'd love to hear from you and um, are always interested in in thoughts you may have about our coverage. Cynthia Dizikas, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks. Thank you to Cynthia Dizikas for being with me today. Thank you to our producers, Karen Creighton and King Kaufman, and thanks to all of you who listened. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. <laughs>